Thought Bubble Audio. Hi, I'm Kirsty. And I'm Kelsey. And it's time to hate watch with us. Welcome to our variety show for sarcastic people. I realize that this is now our first episode back, probably, even though we have a first episode back episode planned. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. I kind of so, totally forgot. Hi. Um, we've been gone for a while because uh, I like had a kid and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And we're back and we watched the Emmys. No wonder I can't remember how introductions work. That's all right. It happens. Um, we promise we're working on content for you guys. Yeah, we'll have it's weekly content after this. It'll be very exciting. It'll be <laughs> really interesting to see how um, I handle deadlines in this new strange world of mine. <laughs> it sure will. <laughs> uh, uh, so, so, that happened. The Emmys happened. Um, last night as we're recording this, but probably like last week by the time you're hearing it. Uh, and, uh, you know, another thing that happened in the past. What happened in the past? That was, um, the film Ready Player One. Oh, you mean our shared disappointment? Yeah, we watched that. That's what I watched (laughs) last night instead of watching the Emmys. I think we wasted a collective five hours of our viewing time. Yes, that's accurate. So those are the two things we're going to talk about in our uh, unceremonious return to podcasting. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So if we're starting with the Emmys, I guess, right? Yeah, sure. I don't know where to go from here. It's like we're new here. (laughs) It is like we're new here. I mean, we took like three or four months off. So that's that's basically like having never done it before. (laughs) But we've recorded two episodes this month. Oh, that's true. We did do that. Guys, we're yeah. working on content. We are. <laughs> and it's all out of order, and everything's a time warp, and I don't know where I am. Yeah. We are definitely not going to be topical. Sorry. Nah. That's fine. I kind of gave up on that hope when I got pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. Um. So, uh, I don't know. You watched it. What did you think of it as a televised event? <laughs> Um, had a lot of ups and downs. Yeah. Uh, as far as Emmys go, it was, like, lackluster. That's what it sounds like reading the recaps. It's, like, what everyone expected when Colin Jost was hosting. Yeah. (laughs) Who I know pretty much nothing about except a podcast I used to listen to called him, like, the most boring average everyman that's ever existed. (laughs) Yeah. Which feels about right. Um, he's really, really... Like, you just want to punch him in the face. Mm. He laughs at all his own jokes, and he has nope. this, like, doofy face that's like, I'm so funny, I'm on SNL. That's Listen to my jokes. And I'm like, no. Yeah. They were both, like, a little too eager to laugh at their own content when no one else thought it was that funny. I've read a few of the jokes in all of the, like, highlights, and none of them have been good. No. It sort of felt like most of them were just, like, statements of fact that were meant to be mildly amusing. 
Yeah, they, like, talk about phoning it in. They didn't really try that hard. Yeah. But, um, the intro was interesting. It was about representation, and it was a song Mm -hmm. called We Solved It. Oh, boy. Um, it was not bad. Like, compared to everything else, it was fine. Mm -hmm. They seemed to understand, like, their angle. Yeah. Um, they had everyone who should be in on it at least appear to be in on it, which helped. It wasn't, like, white people saying it. (laughs) So that helped. Oh, white people. You know what I mean? Like... I do. They tried to at least be inclusive with their song about fake inclusivity. Um... (laughs) The one joke that was funny in that bit was that they had a part where they had one of every kind dancers, and they literally uh-huh. had, like, a blonde, a brunette, a redhead, a, like, every race, every ethnicity, every, like, it, they're, you know what I mean. Yeah. So that was fun. So, like, purposely tokenizing. Yes. But it was, like... I think everyone would have preferred that over the actual content of the hosts. Like all Sounds they like had it. like Kristen Bell do part of it and um like seventeen thousand other randos. So <laughs> yeah. Nice. It was fine. It was like just fine. I wasn't thrilled, but whatever. Um <laughs> and then Matt Smith was out without his eyebrows presented the first award, so <laughs> he doesn't yeah. have eyebrows. I'm no convinced. eyebrows. Where does eyebrows go? He just has eyebrow like bone, whatever that's called. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. The man does not have eyebrows. Anyway. Um There were I don't know. I could go through some highlights. Mainly being that I learned what Amy Sherman Palladino is like as a human. Yeah. That was really telling i heard some things about like she likes to wear hats yeah i've heard the hat rumor before it was a whirlwind and a half and i feel like i understand so much more about her content after having seen her do a 30 second acceptance speech i only saw a clip of like the last moments of her acceptance speech where she like screams something about like gary or something um and (laughs) (laughs) i she just is like exactly everything she would have to be i think yeah and she talks just as fast as you would have to talk yeah for sure i mean it seems like all of the characters in all of her shows are always like um some version of herself at least a little bit yep and uh now I get it. Yeah, I get a whole lot. Yeah. Um, so that was a just wild ride. Um, what else was a positive here? There's a lot of like questions I have on this <laughs> notes sheet that I will get to. Yeah. Um, there was a proposal. Yep. Just you know keeping the rom-com renaissance alive. It was weird, but I was maybe here for it. (laughs) I have so many feelings about, like, 
not just grand proposals, but public proposals. Like, that is a thing that I just have feelings about. Like, I would never want one. No. But it was, like, buck wild. Because this, it was the guy who won for producing the Oscars. So, like, nobody knows who the fuck that guy is. And he's just like, this is my time. Can we also spend a moment on the fact that, like, you can win an award on a televised award show for producing a different televised award show. (laughs) I just, like, I know Hollywood is nothing but one giant circle jerk, but, like, really, guys? (laughs) Right. Really? And then, yeah, the guy who got to do the thing now gets to be like, I didn't just produce the televised award show that I won a televised award for, but now it's about me. Right. My favorite theory was that he was trying to make sure that next year's Oscars don't do as well as the Emmys. (laughs) Uh Which is fun. Yeah, so that was a thing that happened, and it was like, it was fun because as far as the internet can tell, it wasn't orchestrated that much. (laughs) Yeah, it doesn't seem like it. Yeah. Which is always more fun than something staged and gross. Right. Um... My other positives were that Gina Rodriguez was here, was there, and she is great. She is great. Always. And Matthew Reese won. Good job. Who's my favorite wine, Matthew. Good job, wine, Matthew. And he's really great. But Carrie Russell didn't win. That was a travesty. The biggest travesty of all was, of course, the fucking Daves. Yes. Ruining everything. Literally everything. It was a little gratifying to see, like, the whole internet also felt like Game of Thrones didn't deserve to win. Yeah. Because often I'm the uh, in the minority in that opinion. Yep. <laughs> but, like, tell me one thing that happened last season. I don't even fucking know. The ice dragon. Yeah, but, like, who cares? Yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, there was some sex position, so that's acting. It was just, it was bad. And I just feel outraged. (laughs) (laughs) This is my very disappointed outrage. Because the Americans deserve to win very, very much. They did, for sure. For a final season that was, like, flawlessly put together, I feel like you deserve credit for that. I mostly, it's sort of the same feeling I started to have with Veep, that Mm -hmm. luckily we didn't have to deal with this year because they weren't eligible anymore, but I just kind of got bored with it. Like, it's not interesting if you just keep giving the same awards to the same people. Yeah. Like, at that point, you're leading the Dundies. They're the new modern family. Yeah. It's just gross. It's like Pam's White Sneaker Award forever. Yeah. Forever and ever and ever. That's all you're doing. You have officially reached the level of creativity of Michael Scott. (laughs) The Daves are below that, though, really. They are. It's true. It's like SNL, like, nominating themselves everywhere all the time for everything. Yeah. SNL is another one I get really bored with. I was also just had questions about the fact that SNL positions themselves as a comedy series, so they do, like, best actress in a comedy series. I don't know that that... It's not a ser- I don't know like where that line is drawn, but to me it feels like a scripted series is different than a 
variety show, basically. Yeah, for sure. I definitely think that, like, the sketch comedy is not the same as, like, the comedy. No. And, like, maybe they need their own category to win. I don't give a fuck. But I I feel like they could go with late night and that would be appropriate. Because... Yes. I don't know. It's not the same format as regular late night, but it's closer to that than it is to scripted. Well, their, like, series itself is in a different category. Yeah. Which I forget what it is now, but they always win that. But it's like their acting categories get lumped into comedy series for some reason. Yeah. I also still have the same issue with it that I did last year, which we spoke about at length in our Emmys episode, uh, which is like, they shouldn't get to nominate, you know, three people in the same category. Mm -hmm. Such bullshit. It is bullshit. Like, you get one. You get one. Yeah. Speaking of people who did that and also swept, weirdly, yeah. maybe, um, the marvelous Mrs. Maisel? Maisel? I don't know how the yeah. fuck you say it. Maisel. I've just been, like, averse to this because I don't want to watch scripted stand-up. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's not, like, real stand-up. No, I know, but that's why it's worse, right? Like, <laughs> ugh. I don't know. I'm just like, I don't think it's for me, and maybe I should try it. Maybe that's yeah. in our pilot palooza this year, but I get the sense it's not for me. Yeah, I feel like it's not either, and a lot of people keep asking me about it, so I do think it's inevitable. But for me, what's turning me off is what we talked about uh, in the episode we did on things we refuse to watch, which is that, like, people are talking about it too much and that alone is a turnoff mm-hmm. it's like they're talking about yeah. it too much and saying too little about it like everyone's just sort of like this is good and right too much of like the assertion that it's good without detail is not interesting to me no i don't know i mean maybe it's fine but i was a little surprised that that did so well although like the comedy section felt a little weak to me this year yeah like, there wasn't anything very exciting. The Big Bang Theory was literally nominated for something. Just something in general? Um. <laughs> <laughs> I just didn't know how to respond to that sentence. Just, I mean, it shouldn't be nominated for anything. Okay, okay. Yeah. Um, it was nominated for directing. Sure. But, like, do you get an award for directing the style of sitcom that's been made for, like, 55 years, 60 years? Yep. Um, I did track how many losses Game of Thrones had, because that was important to me, and it was five out of seven, yep. which felt strong, except for the fucking fact that they won the award that I really thought they were going to lose this year. Yep. The only other thing that was, like, weird to me <laughs> was that they had someone from Superstore doing, like, this weird sponsored content as a reporter <laughs> and I just didn't know how to react to it because like why are you making your actor talent pretend to be a reporter and also do this like horrendous capital one sponsored content that's so aggressive I just felt sad for him <laughs> yeah so all in all the Daves can suck it <laughs> It's. I feel like it's a similar issue as last year, where it doesn't feel like there's much new that one. No, there it, isn't. It feels like there were a lot of repeats, and it was. It's a. Lot, it's boring. 
On the plus side, I do not think This Is Us won anything. It doesn't look like it. I'm surprised to see them in there for best drama. Not because, like, it makes sense in terms of its popularity. It just seems out of place with the rest of the contenders. Yeah. I mean, as much as the Oscars got a lot of shade for trying to release a most popular category and then pull it back, the Emmys is literally a most popular category. Yeah, 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 for sure. I also think similar to SNL, Game of Thrones feels out of place to me in drama series because, like, it, I, I feel like fantasy and sci-fi are not necessarily the same as drama. Like, they're a subcategory of drama, but they're not, like, drama. Like, Game of Thrones is not executing on actual tenets of drama in the same Correct. way that even This Is Us is executing on that, right? Yeah. That's exactly it. Like, it's drama in that, like, no one smiles and sad things happen. But, like, in terms of, just as you said, like, the the genre itself and the way the genre operates. Yeah. I mean, I think if you opened up more categories, it would be interesting to see, like, how that would work. Like, would you have, like, a period piece type of category? Would you have a... Like, how would you break up the comedy sector a little bit more? And I do wonder, like, in a time of peak TV, if we'll need to go that route at some point. Like, is there just so much television that we can't talk about it in broad terms anymore? I mean, it could be. The other thing that was weird was that Netflix was congratulating its competitors on Twitter. (laughs) Like, Netflix was having a weird night on Twitter, and... I don't think I knew that I follow them because I just use TweetDeck all the time and use lists, but I was on my phone, so I was using native Twitter. So I was getting all this Netflix content, and whoever's running their social was doing, like, it's all first person, which I've seen on other channels too, but it's doing, like, they were posting pictures of their own television, like, watching it. Oh, (laughs) wow. And then they were like, oh, we really like so-and-so from Mrs. Maisel, great job. I'm like, but that's Amazon? (laughs) Huh. I feel like there's got to be an angle there. Yeah, I mean, I think their angle is trying to be, like, your average viewer who likes everything. (laughs) (laughs) Depending on what's trendy. I was thinking it was, like, a semi-ironic thing where it was, like, their boner for themselves and their original content was so big that they were, like pretending to be nice that could also be true but they don't come off on their at least from what i've seen on like i follow them on instagram they don't come off as like snarky yeah they just come off as like a well it's it's been in a weird phase right now (laughs) (laughs) but they come off as like a millennial watching like generic millennial basically i guess is how i'm gonna say that Fair enough. The good news was they, like, didn't do a lot of, like, shtick in between awards. That is good. That's always a good thing. Kept it tight. Yeah. So, in the spirit of doing that... (laughs) (laughs) Should we switch gears? Yeah. Go from something something... that the Daves ruined to another thing that the Daves ruined by proxy? Yeah. Okay. The spirit of the Daves. (laughs) <laughs> follows us everywhere. Uh-huh. I should I will have you know that I wrote two pages of notes about the Emmys and I wrote seven bullet points about Ready Player One. 
I wrote one page of notes about Ready Player One. But it was mostly just real-time reactions and not really notes. Yeah. 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 Should we provide some, like, backstory about this movie for our personal relationship with it? Sure. Why don't you go first? Because my relationship with it is your fault. Did I read it first? You did. By the time you had me read it, you had already adopted 80 Styles wrapping paper as your signature wrapping paper for the year. I definitely had, but that was more to do with Adventureland. Okay, but it was also no coincidence that it was the same year you read Ready Player One. Correct. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I finally crushed that wrapping paper last year. Oh, yeah? Yeah, it was the biggest wrapping paper roll I've ever bought in my life. That was a good run. It was. So, this was a book... (laughs) <laughs> and i read it in college it's like probably like i think it was college old, five or ten i think it was when you range. were still you were still living in the studio yeah and it's a completely different story than the movie <laughs> which we'll get into i don't need to go into like premise of it but it is like nostalgia based and very heavy into like references and things that when you're like 20 years old you think are really great. Yep. I did re- listen to it again like this year on an audiobook because that's what I do now in my car all the time. Uh and it was fine. Like it was still good. I I think like in that span of time from when I first read it to now the like reference culture has gotten really irritating. Or it could be that I've just gotten, like, seen more of it and been more exposed to it. Either way. So I was, like, a little sick of that portion, but it still, like, held up as a story. So then we heard about this movie, like, four years ago? I think so. And we were all excited about it, and it's been a spiraling downwards trend (laughs) to this very moment. Yes. We actually, we had put it on... So let's see, they started developing it about four years ago. It had been in the works for like basically as long as the book has been around, but um, no one could afford all of the rights. Yeah. So it's just been in like studio hell all this time. And then I think it was like two or three years ago, quite a bit after they announced it was finally in development, um, they announced a release date. And we had that on our Google calendars. Like that was Galentine's. Because yep. originally it was supposed to be out in, like, February, and then it kept getting delayed. Yeah. So, yeah, this was something highly anticipated for a long time <laughs> until the day we saw the trailer. Yes. And that was the day that it all went to shit. <laughs> I don't even remember now what the trailer was like. I just remember the opening shot of it. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Which is how I felt about the opening shot of this movie, too. Yes. Yep. And I I asked Kelsey this, but so she's read the book more recently than I have because you did like a listen of the audiobook. Yeah. And I did a reread of it, but I think that was probably like three years ago when the movie was announced. So it's been a long time. Um, mm-hmm. But I had I had a few thoughts. The first one was a deep seated concern that I had been wrong all along to enjoy the book as much as I did. Yes. Because on the second read, it felt like it held up. And now it's been so long that, like, I'm scared that it wouldn't hold up to another reread. Yeah. But you said it does. It does. Like I said, like, the reference 
obsession was like the thing that was the most irritating, but the plot itself was fine. Fine. It wasn't like my favorite book ever, but it was no. totally fine. It's an interesting enough book with an interesting commentary on corporate culture. For sure. Especially in like the year of our Lord 2018 where everything <laughs> is shit. Yeah. Like I wrote in my notes at one point that uh, we're maybe a mere five to ten years away from either Jeff Bezos or the government setting up loyalty centers and buying out my student loans. <laughs> like, that's where we're headed. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. So so there was that. But I just kept watching it and thinking, like, is this the only thing this movie could be? Like, was this what it was destined to be all along? Because the more I watched it, the more I couldn't think of any other way to make this movie except to undo the romance plot. Yeah, I mean, what I liked about the book, from my memory of it, is that the romance plot is not, like, first and foremost. It's, like, secondary. Mm -hmm. And the game part is, like, much more prominent. Right. And it's the romance portion is also not as contrived as how they portray it here. The romance plot in the film could have been written by like a 14-year-old boy. Yes. Like my feeling about this movie overall is that it is like the it's just studio notes to death. Yeah. Like too yeah. many humans got involved because there were so many so many like issues with making this movie. That yep. what it was reduced to was, like, these shoddy elements. <laughs> yeah. And they were like, this is really long, so that'll help, right? <laughs> That's we what put you lots want. of money into it, so that'll work. The thing that sums it up the best for me, other than the final scene, which Kelsey hasn't seen yet, and we're no. going to make sure that you get a real-time reaction out of her, <laughs> because, oh my god. Um, but the second most telling thing was this was uh so first artemis says to him at one point when he confesses his love to her that if he met her in real life he would be disappointed and so you're introduced to this idea that like obviously because it's computers and stuff that like people aren't what they seem and that real life artemis has nothing in common with computer artemis yeah so you may think like she's a man or like she it has something going on that's, like, somehow not desirable. Yeah. So then he meets her in real life. And they, like, roam around a greenhouse for a hot minute. And then there's, like, a pause. And he goes, just so you know, I'm not disappointed. And the thing I forgot to tell you is that the reveal is she has, like, a small birthmark around her eye. Right. <laughs> and that's definitely, like, touched upon in the book. Yeah. But it's a like it's a much broader plot of like people it, there's like a lot more depth to the fact that like people put a lot of time and effort into putting their like imagined best selves into this game. Right. And then there's sort of a reveal that every single person has like something that they're insecure about about themselves, including the lead who didn't appear to have anything that he was insecure about. Nope. <laughs> Which nope, is he neat. Was a lean little white boy, and his avatar was a lean little white boy. 
Right. Like, in the book, I believe he's, like, an overweight gamer. Yeah. Who is very self-conscious of that. Yeah. <laughs> Which is part of, like, the whole thing. And to me, the whole thing is tricky because, like, there's almost nothing that you could do to that character when they have the reveal that isn't somehow shitty to the characteristics that you give to that person. Yes. Yes. You know, like, if she makes a big deal out of not being what she seems, and then he goes and she's overweight, or somehow whatever is seem, seems to be unattractive, like, that's a bad look on yep. the people who created the content. Yes. But it's also a bad look to have her make this big dramatic spectacle out of the whole thing, because... You know, she gets, like, pretty emotional about it, and it's, like, a whole thing. And then to have it turn out to be almost nothing. Like, she's otherwise extremely attractive. She's a thin white woman. Like, she has all the other societal markers of beauty. And then you have this, like, tiny little white boy brushing the hair out of her eye being Mr. Sensitive. Yeah. Like, I actually wrote in my notes that they might as well have just had What Makes You Beautiful by One Direction playing in the background. <laughs> uh, it was bad. Like, dear white boys of the world, especially if you're a teenage white boy, no one is proud of you for thinking a woman is beautiful. I feel like the least they could have done is reverse the gender of that sentiment. Mm. <laughs> and made him be the one who was like... I'm not the same. You know what I mean? Like, at least there's, like, some sort of something there. Yeah. Well, in terms of, like, what this movie could have been, where I see the glimmer of that is in Lena Waithe. Yes. Which I had no fucking idea she was in this movie. That caught me off guard to the point that I actually Googled Lena Waithe because I was like, am I making this up? Lena like, Waithe was the only good choice that they made in this entire production. And she was so good. And yes. her character was so good, and they underutilized it so hardcore. She was, like, way too good to be involved in this. Way too good. That's why I was so taken aback. Like, I, I am very familiar with who Lena Waithe is. I didn't actually have to Google it, but I was like, is this really her? Mm-hmm. And in her handling of her character, I saw, like, an approach and a tone that this movie could have used, and they chose not to. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and I don't think it would have changed, like, the other complaints I have, like the egregious misuse of CGI and <laughs> the complete watering down of, like, the actual message of the book and, like, the bastardization of, like, the Willy Wonka plot. Yep. But it would have made it way more watchable it sure would <laughs> uh yeah um related to the romance plot yeah the only line that i took down in this whole movie that is can serve as your like reference point for all of the dialogue in this movie was quote she's hacking your heart to get to your head i was just about to read that one. <laughs> oh no she's hacking your heart to get to your head like, what is that dialogue? Well, you see, Kelsey, because it's like a video game. Yeah. And so um, they use, like, the technology words because it's like they live in the technology. So then they uh. would use that for, like, the real life stuff. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> 
I just don't know where to go from there. <laughs> the other one I wrote down that I think is related uh, was a fanboy knows a hater. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. 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 And I just wrote down a neckbeard somewhere waited years to write that line. It's like as if the writers of this movie found those newspaper articles that are like, what is your teen texting? <laughs> And they put them into this. <laughs> That's so true. One of my other favorite ones was You Killed My Mom's Sister. <laughs> Just because... Uh, like, some, someone should have been, like, proofreading that. We have a word yeah. for that, you know? <laughs> they were going for longevity here. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> God. Um... I do want to address the really gross choice that they made and didn't correct for, which was using the guy whose name I don't remember, but also don't care enough to look up, um, who's super gross from Silicon Valley as the voice actor for the, like, henchman. Do you know who I'm talking about? Nope. Uh, He's super gross. He's, like, basically a disgusting human, and I've read a lot of stories about how he's terrible, and I, I'm i just, like, not interested in him at all, and I feel like they could have made some good choices about recasting that voice actor. I mean, this movie, though, is full of, like, mediocre white man choices, such as yes. including a terrible person. You're You're right. Like, this movie reeks of, like, white mediocrity. Um, (laughs) yeah. So. I was just thinking that'd be a good segue to just shit all over the Star Wars prequel. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so there were, like, three different sections of this movie that were literally just the prequel. The prequels. Kirstie and I independently took notes about Star Wars prequels in relation to this movie. (laughs) <laughs> that's how star wars prequel it was yep the whole opening act is literally the opening act to phantom menace they also have pod racers yep they had pod racers um also the whole ending scene was from some star war oh no doesn't even matter I'm which scared. one um not the not the scene i'm gonna show you but like the final battle where they're like in the snow oh, okay you know, the, oh, the yeah, one you snapchatted sure. me with, like, the DeLorean going off the ramp. It was actually what I like to call a perfect storm that crosses <laughs> the Battle of Hoth with the Battle of the Bastards and the Ice yep. Dragon one. Yep. Yep. It really was all of them. But yep. there was, like, some kind of knockoff music in the background that, like, was trying to be the Star Wars score, but I don't think it actually was the proprietary one. can we address the score wow the score (laughs) i don't usually notice the score and the score was the well and that's kind of the most irritating part of this entire movie right you're like not supposed to notice the score there were so many scenes of just like swelling emotional music like soaring strings and like whatever the fuck the score does when like emotion happens on the screen (laughs) and it was just like calm down like could you just sit for a second i get it i see the acting it was they definitely wanted to be john williams who is also over the top 
and just did it way too hard. Way too hard. Um, there were two other scenes, too, I can't remember which ones now, that had, um, like, knockoff scores, mostly from Star Wars. And it was, yeah. it's just, like, I get that you only had the rights to, like, two properties, and so you're trying to figure out how to make this 80s adjacent. But enough. And it was just, like, a constant. It wasn't, like, let's use score sparingly. It's, like, nope. no matter what, there was score always. And it was so loud all the time. It was so loud. I just, I don't care. I no. didn't feel things when the music told me to feel things. <laughs> you know what I also did not give a flying fuck about? What? The Shining. Oh my god. Why? I don't remember The Shining having a place in the book at all. So what I've gathered from... I've inferred. Let's use that word. Sure. Because, you know, some of us can edit themselves and some of us can't. Uh, Ready Player <laughs> One writers. Um, the It seems like the production didn't have, obviously, the finances or whatever to acquire the rights to all these, like, 80s properties that are referenced that are a lot of like it's a mix of movies tv shows music video games like mostly video games but it's like a general all pop culture and what they did have was every movie that steven spielberg and whoever produced like what studio produced this movie had made previously or had the rights to yep so they tried to like replace every reference with a movie reference, which is not how, like, the fundamental operation of the story goes, because it's about video games, because they're in a video game. <laughs> yep. But instead, they made us sit through this weird, shining, like, segment. <laughs> yeah, it was like an entire third of the movie. Yes. They also, like, I don't give a, fl a fuck about The Shining in general. Like, I've read the book. I like the movie. Like, I had a, a vague interest in it for a hot second as a teenager when I thought I could maybe handle horror and then learn <laughs> I couldn't. Um, no. But they also, like, did The Shining wrong. Did they? I've never seen it because I'm a wuss. And I know it's that about myself. It's actually not that scary. The scariest part of it, of the movie at least is an easter egg in reference to a really like wiggy scene in the book oh okay but it's like weird in a psychological way so how did they do it wrong they just like they like <sighs> they sort of use it for like cheap throwaway references like the guy goes into room 237 or whatever the number is and like the zombie lady thing happens and then he, like, ends up in the maze where, like, Jack Nicholson eventually tries to kill the family. And, but then he, like, goes through a freezer door. And there's a whole thing in the movie with the freezer door in the kitchen and stuff. But they just sort of, like, stage all of this random stuff that actually, like, the way they used it, they didn't need The Shining for. Got it. If that makes sense. Like, it was just a cheap use of it. Like, it was all gratuitous but didn't actually accomplish anything. So gratuitous. You know, like, they, they do the yeah. scene with the twins in the elevator and the blood coming out. Yeah. And, like, they just, they put it there as, like, an obstacle. But, like, 
that's not why like the twins and the blood were there and I don't know. I feel like if you're going to invest that much time into using the property, use it right. Like actually put the characters <laughs> in it and interface in it with it in a way that's meaningful. Don't just be like, "Hey, all of society, remember this part of the shining that everyone knows?" It did feel in I guess in that sense a little bit like a video game where you're just like, "Okay, I have to defeat this yes. thing." Yes. Yes, that's exactly it. I couldn't put my finger on it. It's exactly like the video game version of a movie or something where you like do the level and then you have to like watch the scene from the movie and you're like, I've seen the fucking movie. Why do you think I'm playing the game? The other thing that like bothered me and I don't recall because my library alone expired before I could finish the book. I don't recall how much of this was revealed at the end or not, but I didn't like the portrayal of the guy who, like, built the whole video game universe and, like, the puzzle. Halliday. Because, yeah. Because in the book, like, he's definitely, definitely an eccentric person, but he's not, like, autistic. <laughs> yeah, he... I, I did not like the portrayal of him. The portrayal was straight up, like, um, borderline mocking autism. It did feel very mocking. And it was just, like, not, tr- not true to the character. And it spent a lot of time trying to show you similarities between him and the protagonist. Basically, they built this whole thing that I think was mostly fabricated, that, like, he was in love with his friend's wife and didn't kiss her, and so his whole life fell into disarray, and then that's, like, why Wade should go after this other chick, because he doesn't want to be like him. Like, that's what you were getting to, right? Or am I crazy? And okay. um and then there was also the whole thing about how like I don't I didn't get it from the movie exactly but I he like he his best friend started the company with him and then like somehow one of them screwed the other one and mm-hmm. so Halliday like signed the whole company over to this guy and that was like the biggest mistake of his life and then their friendship fell apart yeah and so the whole point was like. Halliday made all of these mistakes. It's straight up Willy Wonka shit, guys. Halliday made all these mistakes, but the protagonist, Wade, was like pure of heart and was able to solve the puzzle, but also make all the right choices along the way. Yeah. So he came yeah. out the other end and kept his friendships and stood by his friends and also his lover. Yeah. He didn't let power go to his head. And he also didn't have whatever was happening with this person, which was where it got gross. Yeah. I just kept thinking the whole time that, like, Halliday, this particular portrayal of him was, like, the OG Elon Musk. <laughs> you know, it's like watching Elon Elon Musk fall apart in real time. I felt like yes. I might as well have been watching Halliday. Yeah, that's fair. You know, it's the same kind of, like, what the fuck is happening with you and why are you so broken? Right. Not like, oh, this guy's eccentric and yet somehow wise. 
It was just like, what is happening? They lacked any kind of, like, respect factor. Yeah. Like, people in the book sort of, like, looked up to him as, like, the creator of this world, and, like, Mm -hmm. that was why they all were looking for this thing, in addition to, like, the weird government state plot, but that was part of it, and in this, it makes him look like such a fool all the time. They yeah. didn't actually achieve that. They just play him like a giant weirdo who couldn't manage his own life. Right. Like, completely and inept. That's not the point at all. He wasn't supposed no. to be inept, and he wasn't supposed to be... He was supposed to be, like, a misunderstood nerd who took that out by creating this, like, incredible universe that changed the entire world. Right, and then maybe not knowing how to manage it. But not, like... This dude's just a weird idiot who can't be among the other people. Yeah. The last thing I want to do is mm-hmm. I want to I want to enter the edit zone. So for all of you, I'll probably take a lot of this out and you'll just get the raw reaction. But oh for Kelsey, Kelsey didn't watch the last 20 minutes of this movie, which I didn't realize in full until I was in the last 20 minutes of this movie. <laughs> so that went over well. Yeah. <laughs> However, it was all worth it for what I'm about to play you. Oh no. So we're at the end of the movie. Yep. Um he has just gotten the final key and Jeff Bezos, who's the head of the um other tech company that's trying to run the police state. Yep. Uh he has just been arrested for his conspiracy to like kill a bunch of people. And mm-hmm. um then Halliday's friend has signed over the company to Wade and Wade has asked him to continue working for him. And one of the other contingencies Wade put on the transfer of the company was that like his friends get to be part of it too somehow. So now the company belongs to a group that they call the high five. No, which is all them. And the way that they tie this in is in, like, three scenes at the beginning of the movie, Wade awkwardly tries to high-five some people, and no one ever does it. They all leave him hanging. hmm So now they call this group the High Five. That's terrible. And we're going to start with um, Wade telling the story of what happened after he got the company. Okay. Um, I'm going to screen share because you also need the visual. I'm ready. Um, Because, like, oh, my God. Oh, no. Okay. Can you see? I can see. All right. I'm unplugging. I'm going to make it bigger and everything. I'm turning up my volume. My audio probably just got shitty. Whatever. Okay. Here it goes. Salary, per his demand, was 25 cents one quarter. Because Mike Halliday said... Reality is the only thing. It's real. No. 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 (laughs) Okay, so whoever edited that took out the rest of the monologue, which is really unfortunate because there's some good shit there, but you get the gist. So what he said is uh, that he they closed the Oasis on Tuesdays and Thursdays because reality is the only thing that's real. With the swelling Star Wars music as he makes out with this chick who's too hot for him 
who's wearing like the ultimate 90s outfit. That's the worst thing I've ever seen. Hot pink tank top, spiky pigtails, like butterfly clips, you name it. Oh my god. Is he Mark Zuckerberg? Yes. I hate this. Like, the level of wish fulfillment that just happened was like, are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. Yeah, that was the worst thing in the world. That was the worst thing. I, I urge you to go back and, like, watch that scene in full. Okay. I'll do it for you. It's wild. But also, oh my god. I Kelsey was already in bed at this point, but I just texted in all caps and was like, this is a fucking joke. Like, how is that your ending to this movie that had nothing to do with that? That's, that's how they did it. That's not the point. Nope. Reality is the only thing that's real, Kelsey. You know what I kept thinking? the whole time I watched this movie, that not only did, like, ticket purchasers sit in a movie theater to watch this whole movie, but, like, the people responsible for it went to, like, more than one premiere to sit through this movie. Well, you know the thing, too, (laughs) is, like, I can't remember, someone, probably Linda Holmes, but someone who was at, like, either Toronto or press tour in the last couple months... Mm-hmm. said something about how even if they watched stuff that wasn't their favorite, they enjoyed the fact that they were watching something that the creators honestly felt was good because like, the creators made it and, like, put mm-hmm. out what they thought was a good product. Yeah. And, like, that's true of this movie. Yeah. Everyone who participated in it then sat around the finished product and was like, we made a good thing. I don't know... This movie, like, had a real sense of, like, we finally got this out the door. I think that's definitely true. It was kind of like the Star Wars that was really troubled. I forget which one it was. Like, several of them. Yeah, I was going to say. Like, Rogue One had that happen to them, and I think The Last Jedi is the other one I'm thinking of. And Solo, to some extent. Like, you just get the sense that, like, it's been such a dramatic production. There's been so many people involved and it's been reduced to such, like, utter bullshit that you're just like, whatever, it's done. <laughs> we just had to make the damn thing. Right. Yeah, I think that's definitely fair. Because at some point you've invested definitely... so much money that you're like, okay. Like, who cares? Let's just do it. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Which, to be clear, is the exact opposite principle of the one that made the Christmas prince. <laughs> It's so true. In which they invested very little and achieved all their dreams. They invested a lot of heart. That's yeah. what they invested. Mm-hmm. They gave us their soul with that one. <laughs> but, like, in a good way. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, there's some movies that, like, can be made out of the machine and they're fine. Like, I told Kirsty I've watched a lot of Marvel movies. Yeah. And, like, they're not good but they're not bad like they hit the same notes they're supposed to hit and you get from point a to point b right this was just like horrendous on all counts i do think if i were watching it and playing a drinking game it would be a near perfect movie <laughs> like <laughs> what i would think you part propose of the like the be... drinking game would be oh hot damn um i mean you'd have to play family guy rules mm-hmm uh, which is the most important one being 
drink for every reference, twice for every reference you don't understand. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, drink for a scene that goes on for too long. Mm. Those are like the two most important Family Guy drinking game rules. Drink when the score gets too loud. Drink when the score gets too loud. Um, I would also drink for egregious use of CGI, which is different than just use of CGI. Mm-hmm. Um, I would drink for... Moments uh, of white boy mediocrity. White boy mediocrity. I was also going to say, um, like, techie slang, like futuristic tech mm-hmm. slang. Mm-hmm. Um. I, you know, this is something that drove me crazy about the narrative style of the book Feed, is that, like, they tried to make up future slang. Mm. And, like, you can't invent slang. No. It just it doesn't work that way. Uh, I would also drink every time they talk about Columbus, Ohio. <laughs> like, I know that was a thing for the author, but, like, the idea that Columbus, Ohio became the fastest growing city in the world is just more than I can handle. So we, we got to <laughs> drink through that one. Oh, no. Can you drink for foreplay through a, uh, what's that word? Through the haptic suits? Yes, thank you. <laughs> I can stomach a lot of really uncomfortable sexual content. I don't know that I've ever been so uncomfortable as I was watching <laughs> Haptic Suit for a play. It was n- not working for me. They like light up the suit on the real boy's body in the <laughs> places where the avatars are touching. And I just uh, like the idea of watching like an inexperienced little boy like being caressed for the first time and like seeing the sensation on his body is like ugh. Uh, no one needs that. I don't need that. No. Uh. No. That is not the strong sexual content we're here for. No. <laughs> ugh. 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 I was also just annoyed with this, with the romance plot we were given because 2018 is apparently the year of the rom com, and I will take that. Um, that the whole plot of the book was that she lived in a different city, and it was like this huge undertaking to meet her in real life, right? And in the movie, it happens in like the first 15 minutes. Yeah, she like teleports him basically yeah she like gets him kidnapped and teleports which is not the same no not at all if you're gonna give me anything give me a romantic gesture god damn it (laughs) she also at one point um says welcome to the resistance yep and like i know this was made well before 2018 became what it is but like i can't hear those words in 2018 (laughs) (laughs) I did write multiple times in my notes that this movie is, like, such a 2018 movie. Is it, though? It is. Like, this movie is where the world is in 2018. And I don't mean metaphorically. Like, I'm not talking about thematic value. Okay. I just mean, like, this is some 2018 shit right now. That's fair. Yeah. So, 10 out of 10 would not watch again. Yes. (laughs) Unless you want to get me... So much more wasted than I'm physically capable of doing. Yeah. These days. Yeah. 
or ever. Like, even on Wine Night, I don't think we would have loved this movie. That's fair. We loved a lot of things on Wine Night, too. My biggest, like, even from a visual standpoint, there's just always too much happening on the screen, which is, like, goes back to the Star Wars prequel effect. Like, yeah. They couldn't focus on one thing, so there's just too much happening, and when you have too much happening, you can't pay attention to anything. Yep. The moment I realized we were sunk is at the very beginning where he's describing the Oasis, and he's in his little, like, band that he plays in, and he makes some snarky comment about an omnidirectional treadmill, and then they show him running in all the directions on the omnidirectional treadmill, and it's CGI'd. Yes. His upper body is not, but his lower body is. And I was like, you don't gotta. I thought, like, for all of its faults, the thing they depicted true the most was, like, the stacks. Yep. They did get that right. I thought they were gonna, like, I had a glimmer of, like, okay, well, they got that right. And then I thought, like, his van setup would be right. And then the second they had that full, like, treadmill mm-hmm. and, like, suspension setup yep. was immediately not what was ever prescribed in the book. Nope, 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 nope. So it was like, like, in the book, they're like, okay, you basically have a joystick and a VR and, like, you can wear a jacket that does some things. Like, it's not that fancy. I think that I think that's like the whole issue. The movie just wanted to be extra and it couldn't not be. And the most egregious thing of all was that they had none of the video game IP that the whole story was based on. None of it. They kept throwing in like random biographical tidbits about Holiday that were not I don't think in the book. No. And I get it, you got to fill the time somehow. But there's part of me that wonders if it wouldn't have been better off just living in studio hell. Yeah, like, at some point, if you can't get the, like, key IP to execute on the concept, don't you just give up? I mean, I kind of would. <laughs> Maybe that's bad on us. Yeah. We're, we're the bad guys here. We are. <laughs> we're too lazy. Which I think... There are many people out there who probably will hear the criticism of this movie and think that anyway. So, you know, fair enough. I just wish they'd tried harder or done better. (laughs) Yes. That's all I'm asking for. Just do better. Right? Just do better. Well, like, they had very specific and rich material in what they had. And instead of doing it, they made it bad. For sure. I also just think, like... There's enough of a talent pool out there and enough of a cultural conversation happening right now and in, like, 2015 when they would have started production that, like, this movie could have been a lot less male. Mm-hmm. And not just, like, in, uh, like, representation. I mean, like, in overall quality. It and could have tone. been a lot less of a man movie. Yeah. It was like being mansplained, too, for two and a half hours. <laughs> Speaking of which, Kirstie's husband liked this movie. So someone liked it. But also, he liked his uh, criteria for liking it was that he didn't mind sitting through it. Right. So, I mean, that's, I think, a fair evaluation of what this movie has to offer. 
That is very fair. <laughs> if you just need some shit to jolt your brain with, like, quick cuts and whatnot, this'll do it. You'll get all the jolts. Yeah, you sure will. Turn your volume down. Yeah, so if you out there have thoughts and feelings about wasting your time watching this movie, (laughs) (laughs) or if you watch the Emmys and have feelings of righteous fury that the Americans didn't win, um, you can contact us on Twitter at HateWatchWithUs or send us an email at HateWatchWithUs at gmail.com. You can visit our website at HateWatchWithUs.com. And you can also just leave that feedback in a review on iTunes (laughs) if you feel like it. We are also members of the Thought Bubble Audio Network. And uh, we have lots of friends over there who make other shows such as Beer with Geeks. And they would probably have kinder opinions on uh, things such as this if you would like to listen to them. And they also hate the Star Wars prequels less than we do, (laughs) which is bonus points. Um, There's also ones like... Academy Rewind and Supergirl TV Talk and like they do all kinds of, of fun nerd stuff. So you can find them at Thought Bubble Audio, um, Thought Bubble FM on Twitter and ThoughtBubbleAudio.com and they also have a Patreon if you want to be nice to small creators. Wow, you did that so well. It's not even like you've been on hiatus. Oh my god, thank you so much. <laughs> it feels really good to be back. Yeah, um... Stay tuned for next week when we actually drop our coming back podcast, maybe. I don't know. Everything's out of order and it doesn't matter, so. Yeah, time is meaningless, but holy shit, guys, how excited are you going to be for us to refresh in your feeds every fucking week? Yes. Because I'm hype as fuck. <laughs> Number one fan. <laughs> right here. Someone's got to be. That's fair. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. I wish I had more pie. I have a lot of whiskey. (laughs) I have none whiskey. None whiskey? None whiskey. That's sad.